All right, guys, welcome back to the Final Shop Podcast. Today, the podcast is brought to you by Sweet Cheeks Baking. You fuckers see that? Probably not because the sun's shining. But this is a local Swift Current company run by a young lady named Ashley Johnson. You guys can hit her up on Facebook at Sweet Cheeks Baking, or you can give her a call. I'm not going to give her phone number out over the fucking phone, but if you go over to their Facebook page, you'll figure that out. Or send her an email at ashley.johnson2 at outlook.com and order yourself some home-baked goodies. We're also brought to you by Tough Canuck Beard Company. You guys probably can't see that again because the fucking shine from the goddamn shit. So, Tough Canuck Beard Company. You got the beard bomb. You got beard oil. Anything you want for your beard, go to www.toughcanuck.ca and hit them up and get yourself some of the best beard products on the planet. We're also brought to you today by my friends over at Dakota Fight Gear. They sent me this fantastic body blocker. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. If you guys want some good gear, Canadian-made leather bison leather hand pads gloves body protectors bags hit up dakota fight gear they're on the facebook's instagram they got their own web page dakota fight gear we're also brought to you by buds and leaves go over to www.budsandleaves.com and check out what buds and leaves has to offer get yourself a buddha stick get yourself some cbd capsules it's the best stuff uh, if you're a performance athlete, you should be taking CBD. Stay away from the Advil, the Tylenol. CBD is the best. Last but not least, guys, we're brought to you by Onnit. Go over to Onnit.com. Get yourself some Alpha Brain, Shroom Tech Sport, New Mood, uh, Goat Whey Protein, Bison Bars, Kettlebells, Maces, and on checkout, you want to save yourself some money? Use the promo code TFS Podcast. That's promo code TFS Podcast, and you'll save yourself a percentage off your sale. Again, guys, it's www.onit.com. Now we'll get to the podcast. <laughs> guest today he is the brand new ibf international super lightweight champion steve the dragon claggett how's it going man i'm great i'm so happy you came on yeah i mean fresh off of battle fresh off of another fight Uh, it's been a couple weeks since the fight now you've had some time to calm down you went to bc you hung out did some shit how does it feel it feels good. I mean, there's always like an anticlimactic feeling. After you've done it, you go back to regular life and you go through all these 
really high highs and ups and downs and all these emotions and then when it's all done it's like what do I do now <laughs> and I just it just kind of sits there and um, yeah, so I, I mean, I guess it's all settling in. Everything I'm kind of realizing everything and going through it all, so it's pretty cool. But um, now I'm just kind of looking for the next one. Well, I when when you're going into a fight, there's always problems or something goes wrong. We don't have to get into what went wrong in your camp because I know that there were some big things that happened a couple of weeks before the fight. But did that give you a little extra kick in the ass to go out and get this one? Yeah, definitely. Um, I had some, well, whatever, it doesn't bother me. I lost somebody really close to me. And going into the fight, I felt like you have a little guidance. You have a little uh, extra, a little extra something because you're doing it for someone. You're doing it for a memory. You're doing it with your heart. And I remember thinking of that when I went into the ring and warming up for the fight. So... Anything that you can give meaning, use it because it can help you uh, to win a fight like this or do any kind of feat, really. But this one was good because I, I was going through so much and instead of shying away from it, I kind of took it with me and used it as a reason to do instead of a reason to not do. So I, I used these things and I, I fought. I don't know. I just felt like nobody's going to beat me right now. Um, and when you, the more... You can use that kind of stuff, the better it is. And then it kind of pays out, it works well, and I fought with everything that I had. So it makes me kind of, it's nice to look back on. Yeah, I got to come to Calgary a couple of weeks before the fight. I stopped in, seen you. Um, unfortunately, it was at a bad time because you just got some news. But uh, the one thing I did notice is that you were visibly upset, but you were focused. Yeah. Like there was a there was a task at hand. And uh, and you were you were solely focused on going out and handling business. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things. Life is life has ups and downs. You can use it for a reason to do it, or you can use it as an excuse to not do it, one way or another. And I just figured I'm gonna go do the fight anyways. I'm gonna have the fight, and then I might as well use all this stuff and go make people proud and give my best effort and kind of do it for myself and do it for people around me. And I think uh, I was fighting with a little extra heart this fight. So that was, um, well, it was, it was a lot to it. Right. And I mean, there's a million distractions in training camp and sometimes it's like the biggest distractions mean that you got a big fight coming up, but sometimes there's real life stuff that'll hit you that you, you just have to deal with it as you go up, lead up to a fight. No fights ever smooth. You always face resistance and this one I got hit with probably some of the hardest resistance of my whole life. And did it. Not not alone with the resistance. The the gentleman that was standing across the ring from you was chucking. Yeah, he was so involved. <laughs> he was throwing hard. I was like, oh shit. Because yeah. he wasn't as active as you were. You were in his face moving. Like a lot of the punches that people thought that he landed didn't actually land because you've got this slick little roll thing that you like to do yeah i turn i turn i look off punches so you turn your head as the punches hit you which is good for saving yourself but it's not so good for scoring because judges don't always see it it's a little bit of a it's kind of an old school boxing move i guess but 
if you're up close, you can tell. If you're a little bit further away, you can't really tell because you can hear you can't hear the sound, or I guess the lack of sound because a lot of times when you roll the punch, you'll hear nothing. Yeah. And it's because there's no impact, right? And then I guess it doesn't matter if the judge the judges. It matters if it goes to the scorecard, but if it doesn't, you're you're good. The thing is that it affects your opponent. So he's throwing everything that he can. He's looking right at you. He should hit you. He thinks he's going to connect, and all of a sudden, he hits fresh air. And it's just it's like a it's like a it pulls the leg out from under him, and it just kind of throws off the timing. You do it a couple times, throws off his his rhythm, and then you do it a couple more times, and so his mind starts to fade. So. I think it's a nice move, and it's it's saved me from a lot of damage, just for sure. I'll tell you, when I first seen you doing it, I was like, "Oh shit, this guy's hitting Steve super hard." It looks like a movie, like a movie punch, and I was like, "Oh, he's not even hitting him. That's great, fantastic." Yeah, <laughs> but that being said, I did take a couple big punches <laughs> in this last fight. I took a couple that I don't know. It's it's not it's not good it's not bad it's not good i'm a fighter so i don't mind taking the punches but i'm working on a couple defensive tricks and moves because i don't want to be taking punches like that and i mean this guy was probably one of the biggest punching 140 pounders uh, that i've ever faced and i faced a lot of fighters so i think this guy's up there even in the world ranks and um he was huge 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 i don't know some people have skinny or light hollow bones or something (laughs) some kind of like I don't know what it is, but he was probably the biggest 140 ever faced. So it was a big obstacle, which gave me even more initiative to do it. Uh, when you guys got in the ring and you started going, I was like, oh, my God, how did this guy weigh 140 pounds? Because, like, for 140 pounds, you're normal sized. Right. That guy was huge. Yeah, because I was small at 147. I'm average height and everything at 140. And I, I couldn't go any lighter though. But this guy was my height and twice as thick. It's just one of those things. Some people just have a different frame. So I don't really know how he made the weight, but he did. So all is fair. <laughs> all is fair in war. Uh, in the first round, you did get knocked down. It wasn't the uh, the greatest knockdown of all time. It looked more of like a push to me when I was watching it. Where you got yes. hit and then pushed and then you did like a Rufio from the hook roll and got up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, he landed the right hand. He smiled and he got cocky for a second. He threw the left hook. The left hook actually landed because I reached for it with my right hand. I tried to parry the punch, but he threw a little open and he got me just behind. I took a step back onto my left foot and as I was stepping back, he pushed me with two hands. Yeah. He had a backwards somersault. As soon as I had done it, I checked my equilibrium for about a second, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm okay. And I stood up, and then I was like, I look at the ref, and he's already counting, so I'm not going to argue at that point. And I just figured, let him, do, let him go to eight, whatever. It's just like I've been here before. Actually, one fight I had, I got knocked down in the first round as well. Two times in my career <laughs> I've been knocked down. Both have been in the first round when I was either caught cold or caught in like a weird situation. So this one was... I mean, it was it's a good punch, but it was it was mostly a push, to tell you the truth. I thought it was a push when I was watching it, actually, because I watched it on the Super Channel. So, yeah, I went out and I paid for it this time. People at the Super Channel don't get mad at me. But uh, I had the, the, the option to uh, rewind it. Right. 
So I rewound it. I watched it. I was like, oh, that's a push. I hope they don't score that as a knockdown. But unfortunately, they did. But right. it didn't matter. Right. You went well, out. It's a 10-8 round. So if you just bounce it back, you win two rounds, and you can you can get that one back. And, I mean, I felt like I – I think he won <clears> – he had two rounds in the fight that he won. But other than that, I outworked him. I threw way more punches. He was throwing one. I was throwing four or five and land the jab. Like I, The jab won the fight for me. Body jab, head jab. Um, it's Bruce Lee. It's direct attack, the first move that you can do. So it, his defense was a little bit open. He had a low left hand, so I can just score the jab all day. And because he has a low left hand, I can also score the jab to the front side of the, his ribs. Yeah. And then slowly, those will start to add up. And if you were up close to the ring, you could hear him losing breath. Every time I hit him, there was like a like an exhale, a accidental exhalation, and I think the judges could feel, could hear it as well, because those punches definitely added up. And it's little things like that that over time, a ten round fight, you can you can break a guy down, you can win a fight on points. So interesting note about the fight is I was watching the fight, and I get a FaceTime, and it's uh, Cam O'Connell. Oh, nice. So uh, Cam and I watched the fight together as he was at a birthday party watching your fight on FaceTime with me. Nice, nice. And we were screaming at you from the couch and from a birthday party, don't stop jabbing, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks to Cam because Cam helped me get ready for this fight. He was like, he was uh, he was my main sparring partner, really. I sparred with him and I sparred with Hakeem. And those were I stayed in the city for this camp, and I mean, we got it done. So thanks to Cam, and I, I mean, he's got a fight coming up in September. So good luck. Well, not good luck. Just go do it. Yeah, he'll get the job done. There's no luck, all prep. That's what we say at my gym. <laughs> <laughs> so when I when I see what you're dealing with now, you've got a. I don't know if you still hold the North American title now that you have the international title. I have no idea. How does that work? I have them both, but between me and you, I'm not paying sanctioning fees for either, so I'm pretty much going to leave them. And I mean, the promoter pays the sanctioning fees, and then you go and fight for the belt. So two or three times now, I've been something of like a belt bandit, and I just come in there, fight for the belt, take it home because I win the fight, but the promoter had paid for it. So thank you to all the promoters who have been doing this, putting on these awesome fights for giving me the opportunity to do it. And it's not, um, I don't know, that's just the way of the game. But I don't think that I'm going to be putting on my own show right now and coughing up money to defend my title. So I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen, to tell you the truth. I'm just kind of floating around being a fight-by-fight -fight kind of guy. Just go do my thing. And I, I don't know... I, I'm I have the NABA I have the WBA NABA USA I have the Canadian CPBC welterweight I have the IBF North American and now I have the IBF Intercontinental or as it says on the belt international yeah. so I have those four titles and I believe I still hold them all and um, I guess that's a pretty good spot to be sitting in, but I don't know what happens in the future. I mean, I guess it's up to my promoter and the future promoters that I fight on their shows. So I'd love to defend them because, I don't know, you're a champ when you win the belt, but you're really a champ if you defend the belt. So I'd love to defend them all. It's just a matter of some politics, the usual.
That's how it always works. So, because at the end of the day, an international title or a North American title or an NABA title is not the goal for you. Right. We want the world title. We want a world title. But with you winning the international title in the IBF, I would guess that would put you in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Um, I think, I don't know exactly how it works, but I, I'd say I'm up in the top 10 at 140. Uh, under the IBF rankings, yeah, which I think is fair. So a world title shot, realistically, is not that far off. Uh, I think uh, it could be coming maybe beginning of next year would be around the time. We could do it right away. You never know. And then that would be cool because I'd be kind of first guy to Calgary, first guy from Calgary fighting for um, specific specific belts you know like i think i'm right up there with dale brown and willie dewitt i think i'm right along parallel with these guys for the north american titles and the naba and all this stuff so it's kind of cool to look at and you have to appreciate the stuff that you've done you can't just always push 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 and i'm really kind of the type of guy who's never happy with anything <laughs> I, always, I always want like another one another thing and get another belt win another fight and but you have to consciously congratulate yourself. You did a good job. Feel good about it because what will happen is you'll create a reward system in your own mind and then you'll want to pursue the next goal because you know after it you're going to get the reward again. Mm -hmm. And now you don't want to be reward-driven completely, but you want to be goal-driven and enjoy the reward when you get the goal. So it says right now you're ranked number two out of 15 in Canada, which right. is, that's wrong. Somebody. Well, Eves is that's on box rec, right? Yeah, yeah. And with this is a, it's a point system, so yeah. it doesn't matter that I beat Eves because Eves beat Cletus Selden, and then he beat this last guy who was a really good record. And then on the point system in box rec, he beat a really good record with a lot of points. You'll get a lot of points. It's just kind of the mathematics of the whole thing, and then. So he's ranked up there. So I got some catching up to do, I guess, for me. Well, you're so, top 40 in the world. Nice. I yeah. like that. I, um, yeah, that one fluctuates as well because at one point I was number 20. It <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> makes no sense. Yeah, they just go up and down. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm just fighting. Like I don't care. The rankings and everything is awesome. The belts mean so much. But like the thing that I know how to do is fight. And I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm going through these crazy experiences, and it's like I'm doing exactly what I know how to do. And it took me a long time to be able to accept the fact that I'm a fighter, and what I like to do is fight and like knock people's heads in and crush their ribs and drop people. And I like that stuff. I, I'm just built like that. I don't know why, but I am. I'm also pretty polite and uh, well-mannered guy. But inside of me, I have a thing that loves to fight. So at the end of it all, if I can fight for a living, I'm very, very happy. And I think this is the way you got to do it. Just set these little things that keep you happy day to day and you just live in. So that's where I'm at. Well, I think an amazing fight would be you versus that Cletus Seldom fella because that guy, just he comes right. to scrap. Right. Yeah, we were looking at that one too. We were. I, I don't know if it's in negotiations right now, but that would be. that's a fight we're looking at as well. It's a good fight because that guy's fought on HBO cards, I believe. I believe he fought Eves Ulysses on HBO. Yeah, yeah, he did. And Eves kind of schooled him, to tell you the truth. Um, 
but Styles make fights, and he's the kind of guy who rushes forwards. He does this weird elbow thing, which I don't know if you're technically allowed to do. <laughs> yeah, because what if it's what if you walk into that? That could cause a cut. Like, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. His style with my style, I think we could have a fight of the year kind of candidate. Well, and it's mayhem. Yeah. Exactly. It's two guys come forward and brawl. And um, he's big swinging wide, but I feel like I have a little finesse. Yeah. So it would be a good matchup. Let's see if it... I don't know what's going on with it right now. Um, I'm kind of letting my management handle all the negotiations because I don't want to... If you get too emotionally attached to it, you start to stress out. So I just kind of let it be. But that's a fight I would like. Or anybody in the top 25 in the world at 140, I'd love to fight him. Because I think I've been in the game for so long, and I've seen a lot of different looks and styles, and I've watched cycles in boxing. I've watched people come and go, and I've been here for ten years in the professional game, and I think it's time to uh, concrete my legacy. I'd like to see the Danny O'Connor rematch. That'd be great. Because uh, realistically, I don't actually think he'll fight you again. Yeah, I know. That that one, I really want, I would love that rematch because I'll beat his ass. Like, <laughs> I just, there's there's stuff behind that one. They they know how they did it. They know how they did it. And it's just well played, well strategized, the whole thing. But um, if it ever came up, I'd jump on that rematch right away because I believe I could whoop his ass. Uh, before you showed up to the gym when I was at your gym uh, a, like a month or two ago, I had a long conversation with one of your coaches, Warren, about right. about the situation that happened in Boston. So I'm not going to say anything about it, but it's okay. a little funny. Yeah. Oh, man, they were messing with us. But here's the thing, because, again, once again, all is fair in war. So we signed the contract. We agreed to come out there last minute. It was like, whatever, we'll do it. Now, a couple of the things that they did, switching us dressing rooms and doing all these little, like, like right as you're getting comfortable, you got to do this. Right as you're about to do this, go here. It's like warm up in this, like, closet. Like, what? <laughs> like these little tiny things that put a rock in your shoe and trip you up, and they just keep messing with you and keep you out of your rhythm. But when you have the A-side, it's your promoter's show. That's what the game is. Like, I, I, I mean... I can complain about it or I can just be like realistic about it. It's like, yeah, they played a side very, very well. I fought him in his hometown. Everybody was on his side. Everyone was yelling at me. Everybody was telling me, do this, go there, stop, start, don't do that. And I have to move around. Like I barely even got to warm up because of all this stuff going on. And then I look back at it and I'm like, well done. Nice, nice play because that, that worked. And I mean, would I do exactly that to my opponents if I fought in Calgary, if I fought somebody? No, and I haven't. But if it was the most meaningful fight ever and you see an opportunity to create an advantage for yourself, fuck it, do it. Because in the fight game, nobody's your friend other than your friends. Well, if you guys actually wanted to watch that fight... Um, most of the time when you fight, you don't know when the fight before you is going to end and you don't know when you're going to have to go out. In Steve's case, when he went to Boston, the fight before him ended. Now, there was a specific time frame from when that fight ended to when the main event was going to start because the Dropkick Murphys went out and did a seven-fucking-song set. 
So yeah. there was a there was a time frame that could have been said like, listen, you guys got thirty minutes before. Okay, let's warm up. We got thirty minutes, but they decided to fuck with you. Yeah, and not. <laughs> That's the perfect situation though. Like, oh, I know, I got a half an hour now. Okay, we're we're getting ready. Yeah. Well, that's it, it, like ideally in any fight, they should tell you. I mean, there's swing bouts and there's all these things where it's like you don't know if you're fighting. Like, there's a whole bunch of shit that goes on. But usually, main event of the night, you're fighting around 10 p.m. That's so easy. Like, just keep it so simple. And they mess. I don't, I think I fought at like 11. It was late. Yeah, I think I fought at 11 30. And then. The, the thing that messed with me was that they moved me, right? As I started to start to try to get warmed up, I got moved to a medical room where everyone's getting, like, stitched up after they just lost. So I'm in the B-side medical room. I'm trying to, like, skip and warm up. I don't even have room to move around. So I was just making do with what I had. And I was like, you know what? That's a dirty trick. That, like, all, there's strategy and everything, but that was a little bit of a cheap shot. And... Well, that's my own bad. Why did I go? I could have just been like, no, I'm not leaving this room where I'm at. That's it. You have the fight without me then. Yeah, but realistically, I mean, what are they going to do? Yeah, and and you learn as you go through these kinds of things. And like, it's tough because as you're going through it, it's like, this is not the time to be learning shit. Like, you got to do stuff right now. It's like, yeah. you got to go down here and warm up for the fight because you're fighting someone right now. You hear the crowd yelling, get down there. And you're like, shit, like, how can you say no? It's, it's like a tough situation. <laughs> but when you go through it once, you understand a little bit more. So even in the, every fight from now on, I'm like, if someone messes with me, I know what I'm going to do. Like, yeah. have the fight without me, then go. And it's I'm, like, they can't. I'm the kind of guy that I'll stick headphones on my head and you want to talk to me, go talk to that guy. Right. And, yeah, just lock into your own zone. That's probably the best way to be before a fight anyway. Go go yep. talk to Vlad. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, and then that's why it's good to have your people around. Put your headphones in. Lock into your own mind. Just focus on your own stuff and get warmed up. Don't worry about uh, any of that shit. And actually, part of the the tricky part is not thinking about that. Like, don't worry about all that stuff right now. You can't control that anyways. Just get ready. Just warm up. Take your time. Focus on yourself. So live and learn. So now as a, a 33 professional fight veteran. You're still learning on the fly. Of course. It's crazy, yeah, it's right? Always improving, always expanding. You're either expanding or contracting one way or another. I don't believe that there's any such thing as stagnant, like just straight line, like where you don't do anything. I I just, I'm, 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 every time I go through the fight, I'm like keeping notes. I keep mental notes. I write stuff down every day, all day. Um, I... I just use these little pieces, and I'm like, oh, that weapon worked. My breathing technique before the fight, that really worked. All, like, the swimming and stuff in training camp, that helped me recover. And it's, like, the rolling, the foam rolling and yoga stuff that kept me active. It kept me mobile. Like, you use these little tricks, and you add them up. So, yeah, hell yeah, I'm learning. Even, even now, I'm learning more than I ever was before. And when I'm going through these experiences, now that I'm a little bit more calm... It's almost like it slows down a bit, mm-hmm. and um, it's very similar to like when you have more fights. The fight doesn't get easier. You still get the nerves, but you just understand it a little bit more, so you can you can kind of take in what's going on. You understand a little bit more, less adrenaline keeping you blurred, and more 
like conscious thought. You actually know what's going on. So as I'm going through these things now, I can really keep notice up because I have so much experience. And I'm going in and I'm like, well, this guy's doing this. This guy's trying to do that. I should do this. Don't do that. And it's like, make a checklist, get your shit done. And if you can keep your mind right through all of that, you'll win your fight. So maybe a little bit of food for thought for you then, because you're a thinker. You're always thinking. You're always trying to. I can't do that. I don't operate that way. I'm I'm stuck with it. I know. <laughs> but <laughs> do you ever think that maybe you just think too much? Yeah, overthinking is a tough thing because um, it's just nonstop. Especially if I'm a mind like mine, I'm constantly going over this, going over that, but it's good. It's just when you've visualized the fight 2,000 times and you're still like about to get out of bed in the morning, you're like, I'm done us a little much. Let's slow down here. Yeah. So one, like one time I, when I was younger, I wrote myself a note and I said, I could think of a million dollar idea, but the ability to think of nothing at all is fucking priceless. And it's yeah. like, yeah. And then it's like, that's, why I do these things like yoga and meditation and reading because it'll kind of encapsulate you in just that moment and you won't think too far in advance, which in turn tricks yourself from overthinking. Um, and another one I do is sometimes if I start thinking about the fight and I just can't get it right and I'm like all negative and I'm like, you know what, cut it, throw it away, don't think about it, and then just think about something else. Take that busy mind and focus on some other shit because right now you're not in a positive state think about the fight and you're better to leave it than you are to try and obsess over it and create it it's like whatever just cut it be strong over here do it and then it, you'll come back to it and then this busy mind is good if you know how to control certain things and then over you know experience and i get things right get things wrong and then after i do it a bunch of times I'm like, okay this worked this is a bad idea don't ever do that again make sure to do that every time and then you just keep keep note. Just keep note of your stuff and try and keep track of your mind and find different tricks for your specific mind because everybody's different, right? Some guys, are they don't need anything to stay calm. They just show up. Uh, I've been teaching boxing here in my little town a little bit, like three days a week. Nice. And, and the thing that I've noticed is that people think too much, right? So I'll, I'll show them a combination, and I'll have footwork involved in it. Like, it'll be one, two, step out, step to the side twice, double jab. Right. To me, that's simple. Right. But for them to implement that into what – they just overthink it, and then they trip, or they don't punch, or they yeah. step the wrong way. And I, I get frustrated watching because I'm like, this is so simple to me. But then I have to remember, okay, 15 years ago it when somebody been. showed me that, I probably fell on my ass like an idiot, so I better break it down slow. I better cut the combination in half. Yeah, and then, but it's uh, one thing that I've just like kind of discovered is that get the guy to do it, like just do it fast or do it like smooth. Yeah, and then figure it out as you start going. That's like a lot of boxing fight sports. Like just start going, and you'll figure it out as you start moving. Because if you overthink it, like how oh, should my shoulders turn? My elbow has to be like like. Then you're gonna not even take the first step. So just start going and yeah. start flowing. Because once you start doing it, it'll all make sense. And then repetition is the key. Because you can't do it the first time. The steps weird. Second time you do it, oh, I just you know accidentally did it right. My video guy, he gets mad at me because I teach him boxing too. So he comes up and the first four or five rounds on the bag I do is just jabs. 
Right. He's like, can you please do something cool? I said, well, no. <laughs> Warming it up. Jabs win fights, though. That's, that's, that's the thing is that the, I think a jab is the most important thing to know. It is. One time, Floyd told me that the stick, a.k.a. the jab, is the most important punch in boxing. And if you don't have a stick, you can't box. And I was like, I was like okay. And it's the same thing, that, like I was just saying, the Bruce Lee direct attack. It's so quick, it's right there. It's your first line of defense and first line of offense. It shuts down everything and it sets up everything. So, yeah, it's the most important punch in boxing. The jab. You might as well... Work it every day for as long as you can because it's going to pay dividends in, in a fight career. You know what I feel is more important than a jab, though, is footwork. Oh, right. You can't hit what you can't reach. <laughs> exactly. I, you can't throw a proper punch either without footwork. Right. You need to be there to be able to hit them. Exactly. So it works on both ends. You, need to, you can't hit what you can't reach, and then you got to get there to be able to connect. Exactly. So you need the steps. Um I mean, I, I one time saw a really cool video of Roy Jones shadow boxing, and it was like he had his hands in his pockets. Yeah. He was doing everything with, like, the shoulders, the movements, the steps, but he wasn't actually throwing the punches. And I was like, that's a really good drill because, I mean, it's kind of the opposite of what anyone thinks when they think, oh, boxing, yeah, punches, but everything else is what's so important. So sometimes a shadow box or pocket shadow box, whatever you want to call it, shadow box with your hands down so that you move your shoulders and step around. It's almost the ultimate because you're doing everything other than what you practice when you're hitting the bag, shadow, like punching the pads or like, you know what I mean? So you're kind of covering everything. You need to kind of reverse engineer it and just go through all your movements and stuff. And you got fighters always work on your footwork, always work on your, body mechanics, and then you just get a rhythm. And then when you piece it all together, now you're very smooth and you can really kind of settle into your power and stuff. So I'm a fan of all these like unique training drills and stuff like that. Yeah. I think then we'll just do it all. You'll find something that works for you. So as you know, I switched over to boxing from MMA and kickboxing, and I thought that I was going to have to train less disciplines. I was wrong. Almost, yeah, I was going to say, it's almost more restriction is the tricky part. Well, with That's... MMA, you can get away with having shitty footwork. Right. To a point. You can get away to a point. with everything to a point. Right. But in boxing, you got it's all got to be on. You got to have head movement. You got to be yeah. able to punch. You got to be able to move. You got to have excellent cardio. Like, yeah. the cardio difference is ridiculous. Really, that's very interesting. It's different cardio, man. Because you, when you're you're three minutes, it's all out sprint, right? MMA, it's not so much of a sprint as it is endurance, right? Right, and that makes sense. And it, it's one dimensional too, right? Where we're we're just punching. We're not throwing kicks. We're not going for takedowns. So some guys will find places in those other aspects where they can rest, especially on a takedown. Right, right. This one has kind of, you're restricted, right? You only have two weapons and only two defensive pieces. So, yeah, the, the game where it restricts you becomes a bit of a, an art form, I guess, because you only have so much to work with. 
you're restricted and you have to use only these couple things. And it also is like a calculated restriction because it like the other guy has the same. He's only got the two weapons and two defensive tools as well. Yeah. So and your mind knows this, so it's just it's all it all like kind of compounds and makes it makes it more and more difficult. The mind, the body, the restrictions, the endurance, the footwork. Like you piece it all together and all of a sudden <laughs> it's just um ah, it's interesting. That's why they call it an art art form, I guess. Well d- definitely. It is it's an art form. It's an art form that I think everybody on the planet can learn because we're all built with that flight, fight or flight. We all have right. it in us. It all just depends on what one you choose to use. Right. Right. So everybody can fight. Oh, just yeah. a matter if you want to take the time to learn. Yeah. And, and actually, the guys who don't, or guys and girls who don't want to are probably the ones who benefit the most from yeah. Because you're shocking your system, you're doing the opposite and creating the most growth that you can possibly create. So the like it, it, like force yourself to do difficult things. Here's like the extreme example. It's like force yourself to try boxing, try some sort of combat because you'll learn more about yourself than you ever thought because it forces an introspective look because it's so damn hard. It's different. It's, uh, I did see Dakota boxing. They're going to do this thing where they're going to take a bunch of, bunch of civilians, train them for six weeks, and throw them in a boxing ring. Really? I'm not a big fan of it. <sighs> Amateur boxing matches? I, gonna... I hope so, yeah. That would be my... I don't think they could sanction it pro. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I've seen... Well, I've been a guest judge at the White collar boxing tournament which they've done i think three years in a row now and that's kind of the same idea and those guys just fight an amateur fight and i wasn't opposed to it because they train for however long and it's like anyone else getting in for an amateur fight you know you what you're doing you sign up for it you're a grown-ass man you can make your decisions <laughs> and then you sign up for it the, the thing is that a lot of times it's very surprising for people because they they understand it but it's a whole different understanding when you actually go through it. I think it was the slogan that bothered me the most. It was fight like a pro. Yeah, I don't like that either because <laughs> it's different. Yeah, it's just it's creating a whole bunch that doesn't need to be there. It's like no, you're not. You're trying it out, but when you it's almost it's not disrespectful, but it's like some people have dedicated their whole lives to this. That's how you get to professional status because you've been doing this since you were twelve years old and committing every day and sacrificing and working hard for it. So you just you deserve a pro title because you've earned it. Um, and now I can't even really say that because there's some guys who just hop in and go pro, no amateur fights, no anything. So. It's pretty. It's case by case, right? Everyone is different. But I mean, I've seen some really happy people after they won these white collar boxing matches. So, never know. Maybe they have a great experience. The ones that I like are are ones like Fight for the Cause. They do that in Victoria, where they raise money for a charity. Um, yeah. Realistically, when a, a professional promotion puts something on like that. I kind of turn my nose up to it a little bit because what's it helping? Right. It's feeding the ego, not feeding the people. Yeah. Right. So if it's for a 
donatable cause is for a charity or something. You're getting money, and then people kind of rally behind their buddies for their first fight. They know they're fighting to raise money. I think it has a good nature behind it. Um, but if they're just fighting a fight, I don't know. You'll you'll end, you'll get the right people there because the right the guys who want that will sign up for it. The guys oh, yeah. who don't won't. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you'll you'll find. The people will find their way. People will find their way to do it or to not do it. So it's going to be interesting. Could be messy. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen some bad ones, even with the white collar boxing stuff. I saw a couple of bad knockouts in that, and I was like, shit. <laughs> these guys, right. these guys just learned a lifelong lesson. So people are slowly starting to figure out that you and I talk. Right. I didn't advertise that you were coming on the show today. Here I am. But I still got questions. Are we going to see Steve Claggett compete in boxing in Calgary ever again? Oh, man, yes. Because when I, I, I there's a lot of pieces to still put in play right now, but I want to make a deal with my promoter. And I don't know if, if, if we'll work with Decada or we'll work with, like, I don't know what we'll do to co-promote or something, but I'd love to do a big homecoming show in Calgary beginning of next year. So I'm going to have one more, I believe, on the road before the end of the year. <clears throat> Never know. I mean, if, if the right opportunity came up and I could do a Calgary show before the end of the year, I'd do that as well. But I'm thinking it'll be beginning of next year and... We have been planning this for a while, and I have a lot of little pieces in play, and I think that we could put on the best show that Calgary has ever seen because all of like the my friends who've all put pieces together for me, like these guys who own venues and who have great like media presence, and I have really good talent, and like... I have all these pieces in play that we could put on a hell of a show. So it's in the works, and I think it'll be at the beginning of 2019. But I wouldn't be opposed to end of 2018 either. So yes, you will, for sure. I'll be fighting in Calgary. Let's see when. I hope not too, too long. How did I not know about this? Well, it's been under wraps and just kind of slowly. It's been pretty much me and like two other people putting it together, but... It's just kind of working. How do I get on this card? I want on it. Well, you're on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, deal. You're on. That's exciting, man. I like that. Yeah, and I think. Um, well, here, here's a, here's one thing that I always think about. And now this is again not talking shit. I'm just talking shit towards boxing in general. When there's an A side and a B side, and one guy's twenty and zero, and one guy's 15 and 10, it's not exciting. I know who's going to win. I'm watching a poor lamb to the slaughter, and it makes me feel bad because I don't like watching these guys get the shit kicked out of them, take a paycheck, and go home. That's not a good way to make money, and I know that they're grown men. They're signing up for it. They sign a contract. They show up. They do it on their own, like, you know, their own decision, but... I just, there's nothing appealing about that for me because you know who's going to win. So when I get my promotional company going and things start flowing and my my promoter is working with me and we're piecing together fighters, I will try and go as local as possible so that we have both sides um, having support. 
So you have two local guys against each other, which is amazing. It also sells tickets and fills the house, yeah. adds the energy. And the other thing is, I want good records against good records, or I want bad records against bad records. But I want guys same level fighting each other, because then that's the real test. And the other piece would be, I'd give fighters proper notice for the fights. Three because, months. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is that if you sneak guys and you give them like three weeks two weeks four weeks guess what all the nerves hit right the, the week of the fight you get more guys pulling out than ever before and promoters are so fucking pissed like everyone's pulling out it's like well you gave him three weeks he's stressed he's psychologically weak he's fading at anything he couldn't get on his flight because he can't get his head together and it's like you're getting more guys pulling out because you're not giving them the fair shake so Two things. You give the fair shake and you line guys up with quality opposition so that yeah, both guys have an equal chance to win. Now all of a sudden, the fighters win because they get full prep time. The fans win because they get good fights with these top... Like, you know, the guys are on the same level, so it's an awesome fight. And the, may the best man win, literally. Not build my record, pad my record. Yeah. And... Exactly that. May the best man win. The guy who trained harder and who worked for it will win the fight. It'll be more fulfilling, and he'll do it. And the other guy will realize where he went wrong, and he'll hopefully use that shit for his next fight. So pretty much everybody wins. So i got some plans to promote. <laughs> Here's my argument for, for what you said with the fighters. Right. Uh, a, a while ago, I came to the realization that planning for a three-month camp isn't realistic anymore. With the way the fight game works. So I decided that I would stay ready. Yep. So I've decided to stay at 214 pounds. Right. If we want to fight a heavyweight, we can fight a heavyweight. If you want to fight a cruiserweight, we can fight a cruiserweight. Right. I'm good to go for six rounds right now. Right. Realistically, I'm going to get a four-round fight. That's what it'll be. Yep. But... Like, as, as we're talking to you, we're talking to an international champion. You don't ever have to get ready. You stay, stay ready. Stay ready. You don't have to get ready. Yeah, exactly. The, the thing, there is a little bit different, though. Like, you can be in great shape and, like, fit and fight ready, but not mentally fight ready. So I agree that's with that. I agree. You know, it's like, there's a whole different edge when you're going into war and somebody's trying to take your head off and take everything from you. You feel different day to day. And that little edge, I think, adds to how ready you are to like push through like in the actual fight. Or can you dig down? Like If you haven't been building that over a couple of weeks, you, your mental durability is kind of shaky. And I just think, uh, like first step, be physically ready. Yes. Second step, if you can always be a strong mind, now we're in business. And then also reasonable time. Like a one-month camp is short. Very, yeah. But it could be done if you were the right kind of guy, the opponent. And it, like it's not impossible. Anything less than a month, I wouldn't even consider it ever. Like at this point now, now that I've learned and went through all the ups and downs and stuff, it's like – well, there's levels, and you're at that. Right. We want some notice because we're not fucking around anymore. Yeah, and it's like you can't do that because you owe it to yourself to even, to demand at least this much. So I, I right now, eight-week training camp is the ideal. Yeah. Um, 
then I have a good program, I got a good thing. And I also know the psychological cycles, which is a very interesting thing because your mind will feel the shock of the fight's coming. You'll get into a rhythm for training camp. You'll start feeling good. You'll have another little break, a little way in there where your mind starts like, oh, my God, I'm feeling the pressure. You'll go back up. You'll go back down. You'll go back up. And there's all these things. And then if you've done it right and done your work, you're certain on how much you've trained. When you get to fight time, you'll be up. And then that is the goal. But it's impossible to do if you don't have adequate time to prepare because the human mind takes, you know, you, you ha it takes work. You don't just show up and like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to fight. You could if you're fighting bums or if you're fighting anybody. Like if you're, if you're just fighting, like you can just show up and fight. But yeah. you're fighting at, at a higher level. You need prep time. And even at any level, the better your prep, the better you're going to perform. It's pretty easy. And then you just got to find whichever timeline and kind of training camp works for you. Well, you're right about the mental part because I, for, I know for myself, I have to go find the, that other guy. And I can't leave the switch flicked on all the time. No, you would end up in jail. 100% that would happen. <laughs> and I wouldn't have a wife or my kids. They wouldn't be around me. There would be none of that. I turn into a complete nut job. But Great. Aggressive, fighters fight. So we're aggressive guys when it comes to that kind of thing. But, yeah, you can't leave it on all the time or you end up in a mental institution, I think. Yeah, you burn yourself out, mental fatigue. You maybe potentially beat somebody up. <laughs> like, there's just so much. It's tough. It's, it's tricky to try and monitor your own psyche. Like, everybody has to do it. But if you're fighting for a living, there's this whole aggressive side that you have to kind of not even keep in check because you have to let it out too. Just like you got to let it out. You got to, you know, withhold, but not withhold because you want to internally explode. And so you got to time it and you got to balance it. So. It's always it's a it's a process, right? You're always learning on the on the go, and I think experience is the key. Like the more you go through it, the more you know. So you and I have been going back and forth with some Steve the Dragon Claggett logo ideas, maybe some hat ideas. I've got something in the works. Nice. Uh, this is this is the one I kind of like it. Yeah, I like this. That's the S Dragon one. That's going to be for a hat. Now, right. This is an S from the, you know, the Type S on like a Honda Civic or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I recognize that actually. <laughs> I like I like that. It kind of suits you a yeah. little bit. I'm not saying it's because it's an Asian thing. <laughs> but I've, it's not. I've seen the vehicles you drive. Right. Same, same kind you... of thing. Now, yeah, I, like... I have a personal affection for this one. Oh, nice. That's a it's a dragon in an S. Of an S. Nice. That says it all right there. S dragon. Right. But I don't think that's stitchable. Yeah, it would be. You would need a master stitcher to do it. Yeah, we'd have to. We'd have to bring some people in, but we need to get some Steve Claggett apparel. Right. I think it'd be a hot ticket. Steve Dragon. S dragon. Everything's S dragon. I think. Um, yeah, I'm in. I like it. And the other thing is that I, I feel like I have a pretty good style. I think I could make some cool clothes. I think you'd do a better job of it than I would. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, hey, if we, I'm, I'm gonna handle the hat portion. 
Let's do it. I've yeah. already got that into the graphic people. They're going to draw something up and get it on a hat. And then uh, we'll send it off to you to get it 100% approved because I'm not going to put anything out there that you won't like. Right. Yeah, sounds good to me. We'll do that. Now let's talk about boxing gloves, Steve. Yes. Let's do it. What, what are they called, these new ones? These are They're called Sabas. I have a couple pairs of them. I actually have another pair of them on the way now too. Right. Uh, these are, in my opinion, for $170 – these kill winning. Really? Kill them. Lace-ups. I love right. it. Yeah, like they look. You see the stitching on them? is That's how you tell a good boxing glove, the stitching. Is the stitching clean? And, yeah, and see it's all kind of inside. You don't see any frays on the outside. That's why if you look at winning gear, it's so damn good because the stitching is perfect. These ones look good as well. There's not They're, even a lot of piping, which I like. Right. Yeah, they look good. It's only on the cuff. Right. Um, now, the word on the street is is that Saba's in the next couple of years, because this is only a two-year-old company. Right. They're going to take over winning. Let's see. It's a, tall, it's a tall one, but, I mean, if they're good. Because these are a custom glove that they did for me. Oh, these, nice. These are beautiful. Yeah, they are. Like, we're, we're talking... Like they, the thing I like about it, they got the Grant cuff, right? Which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now another thing that is really cool because a lot of people they like the the lace up gloves. I won't use anything but lace up gloves anymore, right? Because I like the support. Now, if you have lace up gloves, you always have to have somebody there to do them up for you. Yep. So if you don't, you go over to the classic fight shop in Calgary. You get yourself a pair of Saba's gloves like Steve Claggett's going to do. <laughs> yep. And you get a pair of lace and loops. Your gloves done up. Right. Then you'll have the strings falling everywhere. Wonderful. It's, that is clean. Right? Now, I did it without looking at it. But if I'm at the gym, it's literally so simple. It's the greatest thing of all time. Now, I'm not sponsored by any of these companies. I'm just trying to give you guys... Some good stuff to go out and get. Right. But lace and loop. There's a huge, in my opinion, there's a huge difference between lace ups and Velcro. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, I've had multiple pairs of rival gloves, and don't get me wrong, if you're an entry level guy that's going to go to the gym twice a week or something like that, go out and get yourself a pair of those RV11s or RS100s or whatever the hell they are. Yeah, quick, quick, easy, convenient. They're cheaper too, right? They're hundred bucks, hundred twenty-five bucks, hundred thirty bucks. Yeah, just grab a couple. Grab, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah, they're good. But the problem I was having with them is I was mowing through them in three to six weeks. Right. Like you're doing 15, 20 rounds on a bag a day. They're probably not going to hold up. Right. But I know I don't. I think you're using winnings right now, right? Right now, for my bag gloves, I have I have rivals as well. Yep. Um, I have pair of winning gloves that I use on the bags, eight ounce, which are fight weight for me. Yeah. They're pretty much still brand new. I've had them for two years. <laughs> and I wail on the bags all day, every day. So they are durable. Well a quality glove is will do that though, right? Right. So instead of me spending seven hundred dollars on winning or uh rival gloves for the next year, I what I got these ones. 
I like the um, I like the look of these ones. These sabas, they look cool. They're very Mexican style. Yeah, love. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I like, like. The, wrist, the wrist, little the rolls on the wrist, like the the cuff there. Yeah, it's good. That's a good looking glove. Yeah, they're not they're not like super flashy like the other ones I have those custom ones that they did for me. They're metallic leather like they're flashy. Right. I'm not punching people in the face of them I use them for pads. Right. <laughs> These but ones they're... are sparring gloves. Right. But for $170, I swear to god you can't beat it. Right. So shout out to Sabas. Yeah. And they they sell them in your town. Right. You're going to go down not... there. Gonna... Yeah, I'm going to go over to that gym. I have a good buddy who tra- teaches guys out of there, too. So The classic fight shop. It's in some... Uh, it's on it's Flint a... Road. Yeah, it's on Flint Road. It's in... I don't even know what it is. NS... It used to be NSD? I don't even know. Um... Some wellness center, I think, or something like that. That's out front. You have to drive around back to get in the, the classic fight yeah. shop. Yeah, it's like Vision Sports Center. That's it. Vision Sports Center. That's what it is, yeah. Now, I secretly did send him a message and said that you would be stopping in, so he's expecting you at some point this week. I'll, I'll go see him. <laughs> yeah, he set the date for me. Hey? I'll go. I know if I stay on you long enough, you'll just go do it. Yeah. You get pissed <laughs> off at me not talk to me for a month, but oh, shit, he sent me in there. Oh, great. I got some I got some stuff. Cool. I'll go cool. over there. We can be friends still. <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I, I uh, texted him yesterday. I said, listen, I'm sending the dragon in there. Treat him right. He said, you're sending, Steve Claggett's coming? I said, yep. He's fucking fired up. Nice. Yeah, I'll stop by. Maybe I'll go over there today. I have, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I could even make it over there today. Let's go check him out. Now, they've got a pair of murdered out, black murdered out Sabas over there. Right. I think you would love those. Nice. They're all black. Even the logo's black. Nice. But it's like a flat black. Cool. Yeah. yeah I, like that. I, like, I like that kind of, You know my style. Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> Look good. Feel good. Have you been in the gym since the fight? Yes. How's my I, boy Dwayne Lewis looking? He's looking good. He's been training and grinding. He has been... Well, he's been away working as well, but when he's working... This guy is putting in work, so... He's training. Yeah, he's training like a beast. And he always has that. He has, like, um, he has a good individual work ethic. So you, like, don't have to, like... Like, coach doesn't have to be there and be like, do this, do this, do this. He's going to do it regardless. Yeah. And then uh, I know that he's hungry to perform. And, you know, from a fighter's perspective, he's hungry to do it right. And get that win. So I know he's grinding. I know his head's in it. And he's been fighting for long enough that he knows where he should be, like physically, how he should feel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's been looking good. And I hope he gets the performance that he's preparing for. If he continues to do it like this, he will. So, Dwayne, let's do it. He's a fantastic human being, too. Yeah, he's probably like the nicest guy ever. You never know it by looking at him right now. He's got he that. He looks like a mean guy. He's actually the nicest guy. <laughs> He's got that salt and pepper short beard right now. He looks like a fucking axe murderer. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's, he's huge. Such, such a good guy. Such a good guy. And when I was in Calgary, I messaged him. I said, where are you at, Dwayne? Let's meet up for lunch. 
He's like, he apologized for going camping. Yeah, he, he can go camping, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I, just, I was just in town. I figured we'd catch something to eat. The last time I talked to him, I was asking him to fight. So, <laughs> Yeah. You know, it, it's, we're fighters at the end of the day. And funny enough, we're also Canadian fighters. So we're, a lot of us are nice guys. And <laughs> we still fight. And it's like, there's nothing funnier than sending a, your buddy a message on Facebook to fight him. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I was like, Dwayne, I just, I'm trying to find a fight right now. Nobody seems to want to fight. I just respectfully ask you if you'd like to compete in a boxing match with me. Yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, yeah, let's beat the shit. Hey, let's get each other. Yeah, nice. But it, it was funny. If somebody was a fly on the wall, you'd think we were a couple of pussies. Right. And then, uh, look at the... <laughs> watch the action. Yeah. Learn yeah. something. But, I mean, this is kind of the nature of it. And there's guys that, like... There's so many guys that I've met in boxing or in fight sports who are the nicest people on earth. But when they get in the ring or the cage, they're an animal. Flick that switch. That's that switch. Exactly. And that that's an art form in itself. The ability to channel your bad side. Because you need your bad side. You need to be able to tell, like... People who are against you, like, fuck off. Like, I'm not going to listen to you because you're trying to mess with me right now. And it's like, you got to be able to, you have to have that bad side to even shut people down and stay on your course and keep doing what you're doing. Now, a lot of fighters have, like, a little bit of both. Everybody does, I guess. But the ability to control it and to channel it, that's the balance. That's the balance that you need. Yeah, it's okay to be a fucking bad dude at times. Like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to be a very nice guy. That's how you probably should be. And then it's like, if you can channel that, ain't nothing wrong with beating the shit out of somebody if it's in the ring. He signed up for it too. So, it's fighter, the life of a fighter. Eh? It's it's good to be bad in the right yeah. circumstance. Yeah, it's like you need that. And the other thing is. Other people are living vicariously through you, so they'll see this intense, bad side of you, and they'll be like, I feel good, nice. That could be the the outlet that they needed. All they had to do was watch you flip your switch, and it'll flip their switch internally just because. They just yeah. see it, and they feel good, and that's why people go to fights. That's why people watch the you know the fight business. Because you get to see, you're living through it vicariously. You're watching human beings at their, you know, I don't know if you'd call it the worst or the best. <laughs> like, it's just, you see them fighting at a primitive stage, combat, and you can enjoy it if somebody else is doing it. And then if you're doing it yourself, you have to enjoy it and then also realize your balance like you can't always be on go mode that was like we were talking about you can't always be on fight mode because you just wouldn't be a normal dude <laughs> like you would just nope. be yeah you'd be too high strong too much stress you'd be in a weird spot mentally you just couldn't do it so you have to have your ups and your downs you have to realize that life goes in cycles sometimes you're going to feel up sometimes you're going to feel down and then as you get better and better at getting a feel for it you'll learn how to time it so that you're up and create it through training camp you're up when you get into fight so you just time you go through the downs go through this but if i continue to train like this right on fight week i'll be feeling up all week 
And then you just see that one through. You're like, oh, I got the wherewithal to get through this entire week and stay with the f- switch flipped. Then you get your good performances. Then you get the um, you get the right mindset to go and fight and the right mind to go perform. So the whole psychological side of the game is deep. And the more you study yourself, the better you understand the game and then the more likely you are to beat your opponent. Could you imagine if it was go time all the time? I'd be like a super villain from Batman. Yeah. Be like the Joker running around just <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I would I would explode. My head would explode. It would be terrible. It can't be like that all the time. But that's why you need the balance. And it's like that's why when you leave the gym you have a little wind down, cool down and it's like but also, you can't be good all the time. I had this whole thing when I was battling. It's like, ah, I don't want to be, like, hurting people really bad. Like, I, I'm relatively nice. Like I don't. And then I went through a little bit of my boxing career thinking with this, like, reactive kind of mindset. And then I got hurt really bad. Yeah. I herniated a disc in the middle of that Philippines fight, and I fought the next five rounds with this feeling that my legs were like 10 feet tall. I fought the whole fight and I felt like I was standing on stilts. So I knew something was really wrong. And then after the fight, when I got back to Canada, to Calgary, I woke up one day and I couldn't walk. (laughs) And I went straight, I went in an ambulance straight to the hospital and like, yeah, you have a herniated disc and you've like pinched nerves all along this side of your spine sitting in an airplane for 14 hours holding a fucking bridge because you're like, your back hurts. So I did that for so long that I, I screwed myself up, but I herniated the disc and then pinched all the nerves. And what happened was a disaster in my life. It took me 14 weeks to be able to walk again properly. Jesus. And then after all of this, I was like, Fucking don't be so nice, man. Look what you just got yourself. It's like you need to have your ability to say no. You need to have your ability to demand more out of yourself, be disciplined, and you need to have the ability to say fuck you when shit comes up that you don't want to do because you owe it to yourself to stand tall. Well, there's the thing is let's, let's say you and I are standing across the ring from each other. I know what's going through my mind. It's right. not good. There's a lot of things. It's not good. <laughs> but I ex- tensions. I expect it going through your mind too. Right. But if I see Steve Claggett over there leaning on the ropes, smiling, like fucking he's going to the grocery store, I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be over quick. Right. Right? Yeah. The energies don't lie. No. Or if, if you got your back turned to me. <clears throat> right. That's that's a very interesting thing. The beginning, when you both get in the ring, there's a there's an energy transfer between the two fighters yep. that nobody will feel as much as the two fighters. Everyone sees a little bit, but you see it on the surface level. But what happens inside the ring when you see the guy and there's this like you can't even explain it. You know it's the weird. feeling of enemy energy and all of your energy your side versus theirs there's like explosions in the ring before you even start fighting i think that is a whole um, another level of psychological warfare too if you can piece together you do a little bernard hopkins you mess with somebody's head or and you can have somebody losing the fight before they fight the, the biggest thing with me is i walk up the stairs and i look over the ropes and i see them right and my eyes don't leave them that's the routine 
that I don't like to take my eyes off them. Right. Well, I don't know what it is. Like, because half the time they don't look at me. They're just fucking looking around at birds or some shit. Yeah, but, yeah. I like to. That's the target. That's the goal. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's go smash it out and get out of here. Right. Because it's terrifying. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of shit that goes on when you get into the boxing ring or the cage. As soon as you go in there, you're in a whole other world. But I do. I like that as well. I like to look at my opponent and just see what he's doing. Just read him. Just is he intense? Is he really going? Is he is he cocky? Is he this and that? Like even with the guy that I fought the last fight, my last opponent, I knew right away he's very cocky. Oh, cocky fucker, man. Yeah, I looked at it, it's like. It's, <laughs> When he was standing in the ring, I was like, he's cocky. If I can build doubt in his mind, discourage him, it will really work against him. His body will fade. So if I can make him like think twice about everything that he's believed in, his body will start to fade and then his mind will. He's so fucking strong that he's not going to fade easy. But only once I've created the doubt will his body start to fade. So I think actually it was funny how it worked. In that last fight, I got knocked down and it got right back up and then like just kept going. Didn't like it like it never happened. And then I think that was discouraging for him. Did he landed his last shot and didn't do it. Did he speak English? No. Oh, okay. Well, then that wouldn't work. Then because he struck me as the kind of guy like you could punch him in the face over and over again, but words would probably hurt him more. I uh, yeah he could I I think it was a hothead I think it was a hothead. He's but very I'm, very cocky. Like I've yeah. never seen somebody punch somebody, and then their back gets so erect. Yeah. Just, yeah. Why? But why are you doing that? Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot in that. And I mean, I have no ill will. I think that he. I think he'll do really well, to tell you the truth, because of the size of this guy and how he punches. And, like, I bet you his next couple fights are, <laughs> like, he's going to do well. So I um, I respect my opponents. And at this point, I learned a lot about that style of fighter, that kind of mind. And I think, like, the back thing, I know he's doing it just to keep his alignment right. And so he does it like, puffed up thing. But he also does part of it is the ego. Yeah. And the chest will puff up. I'm doing this. Like, you, know, you just feel, like, confident, right? And so that it's, so, it's such a double-edged sword. If you're too confident in yourself, as soon as you have doubt, you don't know how to deal with it. Here's what I learned in your last fight, Steve. I learned that you can still get knocked down, get up, and win a decision on somebody else's promotion when you're fighting their guy. It's possible. <laughs> it's 100% possible now. Yeah. I mean, I believe that I won. I think it was, I think I won eight rounds. I think I won eight of the rounds. So he, he has the two. He has one knockdown. So that's pretty much three rounds. I still got him eight. And I mean, he he wins round one because he has a knockdown. Even though I outpunched him, outworked him. I think he won round five. I think it was, and he landed some good right hands. And like he was just busy, and he landed a good combination. But other than that, every round I was outworking him, out jabbing him, out punching him, and just turning him. Wouldn't let him fight his fight, and I was fighting mine. And I think I won eight rounds of two. So even if it was closer than that. They gotta give it to me because I just, I don't know. I, I stacked up, racked up more points. 
I guess it can be done. I mean, I've had both. <laughs> I've had the decisions go against me. I've had decisions go for me. And that's always a funny thing when people, even like, so for example, like the Eves fight, the O'Connor fight, the way back a little while ago, I had a Lapali fight where I definitely won that fight, the Van Heerden fight. Um, and all these ones, they could go either way. It, like, it's just one of those things. Boxing is a sport of opinion-based decision. So if those three people think I won, then I fucking won. And you can deal with it. Everyone who doesn't like it, deal with it. Because I've had to deal with the other side of things too. And that's just the way of the game. Best way to play the game is don't leave it to the judges. Yeah, right? That's what I've been working on my power, stepping it it's up. It's hard though. Yeah, some people just are tough. Some people got strong heads and strong like bodies. They just won't go. Gary Copas is a uh, prime example of that. Gary Copas <laughs> is made of steel. <laughs> I like Gary Copas. He's a really and nice he, guy. Yeah, he is. And he is a tough dude. It's at the hardest head in Canada, guaranteed. Maybe it, <laughs> it's harder than yours. Yeah, he has a... He has a cranium on him. I like Gary, man. I've seen him fight a couple. And the thing is that he's also not anyone to take lightly because oh. guys kind of like, oh, like they look at him and they think, you know, I, I know a guy who beat him or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Gary's going to surprise you <laughs> because he is going to take you into deep waters regardless. Win, lose, or draw, he's taking you to the deepest waters you've been in, and it's going to be a very, very tough fight. Well, I'm going to go pay very Gary Copas a visit here in a couple weeks. Uh, word on the street is he's got a big fight in the works against Jean Pascal. Oh, really? So we're going to go down and get some work in with Gary. Uh, me and Jean Pascal are roughly around the same size. I'm a, I am nice. I weigh more, but uh, physical aesthetics, we're, we're around the same size. So I'm going to go get some work in with Gary. Right. Yeah. Hey, that's a good opportunity. I mean... Well, Jean Pascal's also fighting out of Canada, but a lot of the Canadian boys are doing some good, getting good shots, getting good opportunities. And I mean, this is a game where, um, it, not that it's this extreme, but Buster Douglas existed. And it's the game where upsets happen and they bring in people who they think can't beat their guy, but guess what? Surprise. Some guys come to, some guys show up to fight and some guys show up to win. So. I think that's what the beauty of the sport is, the underdog taking it. Well, Gary is that ultimate sleeper too, right? Like right. he comes in, he's soft, looks like pure shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that as a disrespectful way either. Like he just it's just him. Yeah. But most people <laughs> judge fighters off of their body. Right? right? Oh, he's soft, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And then he beats the absolute tar out of you. Yeah, well, Gary has lots of boxing savvy at yeah. this point. He's had a lot of fights. He's been there with a lot of good guys. He knows a whole bunch of tricks and moves and strategies, and he has the calm adrenal system because he's been through the fights. He Even if he's not calm, he knows, like, he's calm enough. He knows that, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this. When you have experience, you know how to deal with the same experience next time. Yeah, Steve, I agree. Yeah, I'm sure he's learned a whole gang of pre-fight tricks and moves that work for him so that's how you get there i'm excited to get working with him because he's gonna know things that i don't know 
Yeah, actually, I was thinking about that too. Because when you spar with them, like, what did you do that? Like, how did you do that move? Like, what is that? Like, after, I mean, even when I when I was younger, I went to Big Bear, California, when I was twenty, I believe, and I sparred. I trained with Abel Sanchez, and I I met Golovkin actually when he was like, I think he was fourteen and all at the time, and they showed us a video of him knocking out Lucien Boutet. And they said he's going to be the next big thing. And now, look at this. Five years later, whenever it was, he's the big thing. And um, I remember sparring with Urbano Antion, who at one point was, I, th- I believe, his world champion. His last fight, he lost to Brandon Rios. But before that, he had a couple good title shots. I, th- I believe he won a world title. And he knew some shit. So I'm sparring this guy, and he would... I remember one thing that he would do is he'd move his head so little. Like, I would throw the punch, and I'd miss him. He'd slip the punch, and I'd miss him. And he'd be looking at me, and it would literally, like, skim his eyebrow. Like, I'd, I would hit him, but I wouldn't hit him. And then he, I'm, like, talking to him after. He's like, yeah, he's like, it's a game of, you know, inches. He's like, it doesn't matter. If the punch misses, the punch misses. And I was like, shit. <laughs> and I was like, okay, good move. It's like, if you can make a guy miss, it's like, yeah, you have to make him actually miss. But your glove, your fist is only a certain size. You don't have to over-exaggerate too many movements. And he taught me the idea of subtle defense. And I picked up a lot from sparring him and many other guys, too. And, I mean, sparring is where you get all the tools and where you work on your stuff. So probably learn a couple of good things from Gary. 100%. That's why I'm excited. I always like to learn new things. Like... At 35 years old, I've been around martial arts, combat sports now for going uh, for like 20 years. I, right. don't, I don't know everything. No, it's but, forever expanding as well, so nobody ever will. No. I always tell my guys and girls at the gym, boxing is a game. I don't even explain it as inches. I say quarter inches. Right. Hey, well, yeah. Because if you throw a jab and I step to my right one quarter inch, you're yeah. going to miss. Exactly. <laughs> It's such a game of just finite details. The littlest things make the punch miss by nothing. Like it literally, it should connect, but it does, that's like the head roll. It's like it should connect, but it just doesn't. I think actually, no, Zab Judah taught me how to do the head roll. I was thinking it was Urbano, but it was Zab Judah. And I threw a right hook at him, and he looked it off, and I was like, what the fuck was that? And I remember just thinking in my head, I'm like, I can't really admit it. And I was like, okay. And then I started like practicing. I saw him do it, and uh, now I know how to do it. And now I sometimes I don't even mean to, and I just do it on through instinct because the punch is there. You just kind of look, turn, take off all the steam of it, save your brain. Looks slick, man. I love it. Yeah, it is a good move. I wish. I mean, it doesn't score anything for you. It should. You need to counter. You need to be. You got to do something with it. So you got to make the guy miss and then come back with something or catch him. So aggressive defense as he's throwing, as he's missing, you're also connecting would be the ideal way of doing it. Looking at that technique as itself and breaking it down, you shouldn't do it. No, it's pretty risky. Yeah. (laughs) Shit. What if he threw a right hand and then was like, oh, I'm throwing a left hook now. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's a, a timing thing. And it's like, that one's the only way to get that move is to do it often. Like, yeah. just 
keep getting it, do it, do it, do it, practice it, try it with like little like a slip bag or something, try it with defense rounds, working with like kids or whatever, and just practice it, practice it, practice it, and it'll become second nature. Because if you think about doing it, you can't fucking do it. If you just do it, you'll do it. But it has to become body instinct, muscle memory. It can't be a conscious decision. It has to be unconscious because there's not enough time to think about it to do it. You have to have it embedded in your muscle memory, and then you'll be able to do it in the fight. Because even when I'm doing it, Sometimes I don't mean to. I watch the fight highlight. And I'm like, shit, I did it right exactly like how I wanted to. Yeah. And that was a nice move. Now how to capitalize with it. And there was a couple times when even in this last fight, I did it and then immediately came back with punches and he was off balance and then it works. Now the tough part is that not all judges see it. So there's a give and take. You just got to make it really count when you do do it. And then also, it's kind of last line of defense. It's like if you guard, yeah, make them pay. Make them miss, make them pay. That's pretty much the name of the game, right? I'm more of a rhythm guy. No, I can't dance worth shit. I'm like the whitest person of all time. But there's a rhythm to to what you're doing in there, right? Yeah. If you have flat feet, you don't have rhythm. Right. And then I always tell my guys, I'm like, it's easier to slip a punch or to throw a punch off of movement yeah. if you're already in motion than it is to try and do it from completely static, not moving at all, completely stiff still. It's very hard to start. Like, it's not very hard, but it's like it's more to start and throw it than it is to already be in motion. And when the guy punches, you just continue in motion, keep going, or you fire out of your movement. So rhythm's a huge thing. That's another one I saw Roy Jones doing. They always do that when they're walking straight and they're just punching, turning. Like it just kind of like left to right, to front to back, to left to right, and you you create rhythm, establish rhythm, and then break rhythm on your terms. And you can you can put a guy into a rhythm like touch, touch, touch. It's like one, 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 two. Yeah. And change the rhythm on them after you've established the rhythm in a game where one punch or one strike can change everything. That's all you need is one of those to work. Establish rhythm, break rhythm. That's like it's an advanced tactic right there for anybody listening. <laughs> it was an easy way to explain it. So does it take less gas to stop your car and let it idle for that two-second time you're going to do a jaunt in here, or should you shut it off? Right. Right. Which one do you do? Well, if you shut it all the way off, you got to start it all the way back up. Exactly. If you just keep it going, you just hop back in. Keep, keep going. moving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's a good way. Because that's totally true. If you just keep it moving, like movement, you can, you can burst, you can fire off of, you can do many things off of movement if you're already in motion. It's tough. Like if you're setting a trap and you do that still stuff, it works, but. When you're in rhythm, you're already going. It's less taxing on the body, and you can create rhythm. There's so much you can do with it. That's why, pretty much, that's why you shadow box. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure shadow box. You can create your own rhythm and play with it, work with it, see how it works. So before I get you out of here, I'm going to get you to answer a question then. Mm-hmm. So I'm always telling my guys and girls that are up sparring with me to. I'm always trying to teach them to control the pace. Right. Because they get tired and around, but I can go through all of them. Right. Because I control the pace. Right. There's a big difference between cardio 
and defense cardio. Right. Very so I try to get them to control the pace. So if, if Steve Claggett can control the pace of a fight for 12 rounds or 10 rounds, he's good to go. It's not necessarily right. going to happen every round, though. Right. Controlling the pace, establishing your rhythm, and like there's many ways you can do it. You can control the pace by sticking to him and pushing him. And making an inside fight. Like, that's when, when I was younger, I always sparred with bigger guys. And the way that I would nullify their power would be if I stick in really close, they can't fucking hit me. <laughs> they can't let these big bombs go. And that was like a, a, a strategy that I kind of came up with. That's how I pushed my pace by sticking to them, staying close, make a miss on the inside. Because these guys, back then, I'm probably 100 and. 26 pounds sparring guys 180 or 150 or 160 and it's like how do i nullify the power control the pace he's getting tired just rush him with the high guard and just make a miss and on the move your head on the way in and it's it's suffocating to have someone constantly pushing even if he's not punching that constant presence just being in front of you is like suffocating and then the other way you can do it is um, disengage. You just back up. If the guy keeps doing it, you just turn him and then take a slide, like slide back, and then establish a jab. And now you're on an outside pace. So one way or another, you're either pushing it to an inside pace, or making it a, a sharp boxing clinic and taking it to an outside pace. Whatever it is, if it's your mind creating the pace, it's way less taxing because you're creating, not reacting. So if the other guy is creating it, and you, oh, I got to fight on the inside now. Oh, I got to fight on the outside now. You're not creating it, so it's way more tiring. So, yeah, like if, if you can work with different sparring partners and try different styles, like inside game, outside game, and you you are deciding when it's inside, outside. Like, obviously, there's some variable. Like, you can't control everything. But if you're working on that, that's a great thing to work on because, in turn, it will help your cardio and it'll help your, like, you'll be able to, your stamina will go up insanely because you're controlling shit. Yeah, well, I'll tell everybody a story about controlling the pace, and it was the first and only time I sparred with Cam O'Connell. <laughs> nice. So Cam and I we were, we were sparring out of Rashido in Red Deer. I hit him one time in the first ten seconds, exploded his nose all over his face, and then he proceeded to stay in my chest for the next two minutes <laughs> and fifty seconds and beat the absolute shit out of my body. Hey, it just stuck to you. Yeah, stuck to me like glue, man. Yeah, and, that, and it's funny how, like, if you're boxing with a bigger guy, you'd think they want to be on the outside. Like, But a lot of times, the way to do it is stick to him, and you kind of, his arms won't be able to reach inside. You, you can create all these little openings being the smaller guy against the bigger guy by standing really close. It's so, weird how it works, Steve. Yeah, it is weird. And I mean, that's not always the answer. But I got so tired. <laughs> That's the main thing. Because he's relaxed. When he's creating, he's pushing the pace. To, like he's working, work, like going forwards, and you're reacting. Whenever yeah. you're reacting, it's way more tired. So I learned a lesson right? in that situation. One was don't blow Cam's nose up because then he gets angry. Right. Which was, I thought it was hilarious because realistically, he's not big enough to hurt me. We're fighters. That's but, good. But like, <laughs> it, it was it was entertaining for me to to be in a situation where I almost kind of felt helpless. 
Right. It was like, well, shit. He's like five foot three. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> I couldn't get him off me. He's fast. He had good combinations, and everywhere I decided to step, he knew where I was going. Yeah, which I yeah. was very interesting. Ring but, generalship. Yeah, never happened again. I will make sure, damn sure, nobody ever does that to me again. <laughs> yeah, but then you can take this kind of little, I don't know what you want to call it, lesson. I don't know. You just take this little thing. Just remember that because you can use that one now. Now you know how to do it. That's... I'll never forget it. Right. Never. <laughs> it was the it was the it was the weirdest feeling of all time where this little leprechaun made me feel helpless. <laughs> how is this guy doing this? But this is the thing. But it's, it's weird because big guys can't do it to me. No. No. Just these little fuckers. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. It, it, styles make fights. Dynamics create styles. Like some guys are tall, some guys are small, some guys are everything in the middle. So that's why it's good to spar with as many different types and styles of sparring partners that you can so you have a look on everybody. And then you, and nothing really surprises you. Steve, we've gone for an hour and a half. Nice. This is the longest time you've ever been on. And I think this is the first time you've been on the Final Shot podcast. Nice. I'm happy to be here. You've been on like the to talk shit. <laughs> you can talk whatever shit you want. I don't give a flying fuck what you say. Uh, like before, you were on the Spice Life podcast when we had Spicer. He quit his job and went on to become a vegan and have a float shack, which is cool. Right. Hope he does well. But now you're on the Final Shot podcast. Is there anybody you want to call out, Steve? Um. I don't know. Fuck. Who's at 140? <laughs> Who's at 140? Um, okay, well, here's a fight that I have heard rumblings about that might go on HBO. Hmm. You might get offer for it. Is you in a rematch against Ulysses? Yeah, I heard about that, too. I would take that fight. I'd like that. Okay. Because, I don't know, I beat him, and I can beat him again. Now, that fight I fought okay, but I didn't fight my best. And I had to I had to face all the B side treatment and I still did that. And nothing against him, but I can do even better. Um, I'd love that rematch. I'd love the Danny O'Connor rematch. Uh, there's a couple of rematches I like, but I'm not gonna like chase rematches, you know. I wanna fight the guy ranked above me, whoever it is. I wanna gun for the IBF world title, because that seems to be the sanctioning body that is finding its way into my career the most. And I like the IBF. IBF sounds good. It looks good. It's a well-established boxing sanctioning body. It's been there for a while. It's a nice belt, too. I like it. Fucking awesome belt. Now, I got two of them. So Where are they? Want to see them? Well, it's going to be on YouTube, Steve. Show the people. I have both. I got both right here. So I believe that they're shaped a little bit different from the North American to the international title, right? They're very similar. International. Hold it up a little bit. Well, that's the international one. It's a little more round. Yeah. And then the... North American. Uh, they look very similar. Pretty close, eh? Really close. Oh, they're almost exactly the same. Yeah, we They're only nice, did... though. I like them. Oh, man. These are the nicest belts I've ever had in my life. Regional champion, International Boxing Federation. And then the other one says, 
international champion. So now I'm stepping it up, which is pretty cool. I think I'm in. I think I'm right there. Like Willie DeWitt and Cowboy Dale Brown had the NABA and the North American titles. I think I'm right up there with the intercontinental, the international. I think I may have just stepped up to lead the race, but I'm not entirely sure. I think uh, by the end of it all. I'm going to have the world title. I believe that I'll be the first Calgarian ever to do it. Uh, I'm very excited to make it happen. I don't know who I'd fight yet. There's a couple guys. Morris Hooker. That's a good name. Uh, yeah. Hey, that guy, I, I, we had almost fought each other a couple times. I know that Lipinets is up there. That'd be uh, a good fight. Yeah. That. I've seen Jose Benavidez Jr. coming back around because he's trying to fight Terrence Crawford. Him and I were supposed to fight for a long time, way back, like eight years ago. And then he had uh, whatever stuff going on. But now he's back in the scene. Um, I mean, any guy any guy in the top 20 at 140, there's a couple Japanese fellas too who I'd like to fight because I'd love to go over there. I'd love to go to Asia. And there's a few guys at 140. And I think that would be a very interesting, just because I'm half Chinese, I mean, it's not any bad blood or anything, but it just makes for good marketing. And I think, um, I don't know. I don't know who, but I know I'm going to be ready. That's pretty much bottom line. So, guys, look for Steve the Dragon Claggett to probably towards the end of 2018, making another fight. Look for something cool coming from him and his promotional company in Calgary, maybe at the end of 2018, 2019. I've got a special offer for everybody today, including Steve. Now, I've had a new sponsor on the show on it. Nice. So, if you guys go over to www.onit.com, any purchase you make on there, upon checkout, put in the promo code TFS podcast and you will get a 15% discount. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. And Steve, on it is awesome. On it makes the best supplements on the planet hands down. Yeah, yeah. Do you use any other stuff, Steve? Yeah, I do. I have a bunch. Of, oh, I get like random stuff in there, multivitamins and omegas and different like glutamines and creatines and all this like, whatever. But um I know they have a really really good quality of product so i'll tell you what i use i use shroom tech sport new mood alpha brain vitamin oh. b and the creatine yeah yeah yeah. nice how do you like that alpha brain stuff do you find it has an effect um i do find that it has a huge effect uh, especially when i don't take it for a couple of days i i slow down right cognitive function enhancement yeah feel very witty and as if you took a limitless pill I take it in conjunction with another pill called New Mood, which is fantastic, which is kind of like a happy pill. Right. So that's why you're floating on air every day, hey? Keeps me from flicking the switch. <laughs> it's right here. That's why I'm so witty all the time, and I have I say a lot of F-words yeah. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, a great balance. Like, I like to keep it balanced. It counter-reacts all the other nonsense that goes on in my life, so I like it. Again, it's www.onit.com. Steve, I'm going to get you out of here. Do you have any sponsors today that you want to shout out? I want to shout out Module Creative Agency, the guys who always make my videos, and they're probably some of the best videographers from Calgary that I've ever seen ever. 
and some of these like cinematic things that they have made brilliant so shout out to mca that's it uh, that's it you want to talk to me for a couple minutes off the air yeah let's chat all right that's the final shot